When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, we are pleased to be joined by one of the best goaltending prospects on the planet, two-time WHL Goalie of the Year, one-time CHL Goalie of the Year, the reigning AHL Goalie of the Year. He won the uh, at 20 years old last year, helped Stockton to the Western Conference Final, seventh-round pick of the Flames in 2019. Without further ado, Calgary Wranglers goaltender Dustin Wolf. How are you doing, Dustin? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely no problem. And thank you for uh, moving around for us. We uh, we started in a parking garage before we went live. We moved you to a bench, and now we got you by a brick wall. So thank you for being so accommodating. <laughs> Not a problem. Brick wall is a fitting uh, fitting symbol. Exactly, yeah. Pat. Exactly, with the brick wall himself. So just to start things out, uh, you know, what's it been like moving to Calgary and having the whole operation move from Stockton, uh, your home state, but uh, now you're closer to the big club? What's that been like? No, it's been really good. Um, you know, obviously the weather is a bit of a adventure compared to California, but um, you know it's pretty awesome to be, you know, in the same facility, same building as the Flames, and um, you know, you're one phone call away from just driving to, you know, a different locker room. So it's, you know, it's been pretty awesome so far. Just be able to go to, to go to games when we're when we're here and there in town, and um, you know there hasn't been any negative to it. So it's obviously been awesome. You know, Dustin, from your vantage point, can you see the advantage of, you know, why this is this is a trend for American League teams to bring their, their affiliate closer to home? For sure, yeah. I think it, uh, it definitely makes things easier for the organization as a whole. Um, I know last year when call-ups happened that, you know, travel is kind of a, a bit of a pain mm-hmm. in terms of coming from Stockton. There's no close airport and um, you only a certain amount of direct flights to Calgary. So makes things pretty difficult. Oh, but um, you know now you just drive down the highway to you know the sound home instead of getting on a plane, so it makes things easy. For yourself personally, was there a bit of a con leaving your home state? Yeah, there's no golf during the season, but uh, other than that, I mean, you know, my goal is to play you know in the NHL, and you know I think this gave myself the myself personally and everybody else in the team you know, get a better opportunity. You know, the staff is watching you every day and, um, you know, you never know what can happen with injuries. So you're, you're right there, you know, ready to, to go if called upon. You know, uh, the team had a little bit of a slow start this season and yet you were able to come out of it pretty quickly, not let it you know, start to spiral. You know, kind of what went into that, you know, that you were able to, to stop it early on? Yeah, I mean, I think we just, you know, I think we lost 12 or 13 guys from the team last year. Um, you know, so we had a lot of new faith trying to gel. And, you know, we weren't getting a lot of bounces early on. And, um, you know, those started to come. And additionally, like, we just started to bond more as a team and started to gel. And, um, you know, that's really all you can say is, you know, your season's not being won in the first five games. And, you know, it's all about, you know, progressing as a group and, uh, you know, coming – coming together come uh come april and um you know so i think we're on the right track and uh we got a good group of guys in the room so it's it's been fun 
you know, coming off your year last year where you kind of, for lack of, you know, though not giving you credit, but you kind of came out of the woodwork, you know, seventh round pick, first year pro, were a huge part of, of Stockton's success. Coming into this year, like, what was your mindset like going into the year? I think just kind of stick to what I've been doing. And, um, you know, every single year, every game is, you know, it's my job to give our team a chance to win. And, um, you know, if I'm able to, to do that and give our team a chance, you know, I think I've done my job well. And, um, you know, obviously last year worked out tremendously well. We had an incredible team and, um, you know, it obviously showed how far we went in the playoffs. And, um, you know, that experience has been nothing but, you know, wonderful. And, um, you know, obviously looking to hopefully do something special again this year. And, uh, you know, I think we got another good group here to do that. Just quick follow-up. You know, obviously, as you're growing up, Dustin, um, if you're a good player at the triple level, you move up to midget or whatever it may be, juniors and the AHL. But goaltenders, they take a long time to develop, right? And just because you had a you know good season last year, obviously, that wasn't going to be a seamless transition to the NHL. Is that hard to sort of be patient in a sense or sort of trust the process as, you know, you could spend, as many goalies do, a couple years in the AHL before you make that jump? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you want to you know, get to the NHL as fast as you can. You know, it's your dream. Uh, you know, but like I said, like, it's my job to give a team a chance to win each and every night. Um, you know, if I'm doing that pretty effectively, I think, you know, my chance is going to come sooner rather than later. And, um, you know, obviously, Vladi and Mark have done an outstanding job, you know, from last year and, uh, you know, this year as well. And, um, you know, I'm just ready for whatever the opportunity comes. Uh, you know, when it does, I'm going to take as much of an opportunity to take the reins as much as I can. Last year, you had Thomas Spear as your goalie coach in Stockton. This year, it's Mackenzie Skapsky. What's that uh, transition been like for you learning from, uh, you know, last year with Thomas uh, to this year with a different coach? Yeah, Spears, he was, you know, outstanding. Um, you know, dating back to COVID, you know, I spent, you know, three months with him and his family and, got to know him really well and he became more or less just part of my family. And, um, you know, that made my transition to the American league pretty, pretty easy. And, um, you know, to have a great relationship with him was, you know, something at the goal you want more than anything. And, uh, you know, coming into this year, as soon as Skapsky got hired, he, he gave me a phone call and, um, you know, basically just kind of wanted to keep the th same things, you know, that Spears did with me. And, um, you know, wanted that to be a smooth transition. So I think it's been outstanding thus far. Um, you know, Scapper's been incredible to me and, you know, as well as Oscar. And, um, you know, obviously I think I've grown quite a bit over the last couple months with him and, you know, always looking to, to continue that trend. Dustin, what was that like for you when you were drafted the seventh round, um, you know, going that late in the draft? Was that something that really, you know, added fuel to the fire and, and you know, became a sense of motivation? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, obviously it was, I didn't expect to be sitting there for, for that long, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was still one of the best days of my life, you know, getting picked by, by the flames and, um, you know, it doesn't matter where you get drafted. It's, uh, you know, all about what you do after. And, um, I think that I'm just trying to, to keep that trend alive is, um, you know, it doesn't matter where you get drafted. 
you know, as a goalie, it doesn't matter if you're six foot or six five. And, um, you know, if you can stop puck and play your position effectively, I think, you know, your chance, you're going to come and, uh, you know, just trying to stick to that. Obviously the goaltender positioning is kind of transitioning to taller goalies per se. And, you're sort of classified as a undersized, smaller goaltender. And that's probably something that, you know, a lot of people have talked about with you throughout your pro career and, and whatnot. But is that something that's kind of been a motivation factor or put a chip on your shoulder with, you know, people telling you either you're too small or you'll things that, you know, may limit you or, or is that something that you've never really paid much attention to? Yeah. I mean, I hear about it all the time. It's, uh, you know, it's probably the most common thing that people say about me and, you know, I kind of laugh at it in the sense that, uh, you know, whether or not I'm four inches taller than I am now, I, you know, I still do my job at, at stopping pucks and give my, my team a chance to win. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's all it really comes down to. It doesn't matter how big you are. You know, if you can do your job and be effective at it, it shouldn't matter. But, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people out there that think otherwise. And, you know, I'm just trying to show people that, you know, that's not the case and, you know, small guys can do the job too. You know, you've been with Mitch Love going back to your time in Everett early on as a junior. Uh, what kind of evolution have you seen from him as a coach then till till now, uh, especially after we won Coach of the Year last year? Yeah, his, uh, you know, he was our assistant coach in Everett my first season. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah's role was obviously quite different. He yeah, uh, yeah. didn't have, you know, as much of the reins as he does now. And, yeah, but as soon as he, you know, was named head coach last summer and, uh, you know, I was obviously pretty excited to have a familiar face, you know, coming into the locker room of, you know, my first season. And, um, you know, to have that relationship is, you know, it's been awesome. It's been, you know, smooth transition. I've been very fortunate with, you know, my, my goalie coaches that have came in and, you know, also love her. And, um, you know, he's done a tremendous job of getting the best out of all of our players. You know, he's very... You know, he's very blunt with everything. He gives it to you. You know what? He doesn't fluff anything up. And, um, you know, I think that it's just a matter of time before he gets an opportunity to, you know, coach the NHL. I think Lover is my favorite uh, hockey abbreviated nickname I've heard. That's great. Is that, is that his nickname in the room? Lover? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, Dustin Wolf, thank you so much for joining us. You can go uh, brace yourself for the Calgary wind and uh, have a great rest of your day, man. No, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. I want to discuss, Pat, uh, one of the one of the most interesting stories that kind of pertains to the AHL, and that is Nick Chichek, uh, Winnipeg native, undrafted, signed a AHL um, contract league minimum uh, last year with the Barracuda, coming out of the WHL of Portland. This is the classic the classic example of it. Really doesn't matter where you're drafted; the work starts afterwards, and. Nick Chichek was recalled by the San Jose Sharks from the Barracuda, made his NHL debut last night, and what a story that is. So I, I do know, um, you know, Nick is from Winnipeg, where I'm from as well, so I do know a bit of background on the player, and this is a guy where I I would be willing to bet many had pegged him as more of a going to go the CIS, U-sports route, and not turn pro. Um, I'm sure even for someone like him, Getting an AHL deal itself was a massive accomplishment. He's now parlayed that into an NHL deal, made his debut last night. And, you know, what a success story just, you know, in and of itself. But what's interesting, too, is for San Jose as a whole, that's a huge development win. You've taken a player that was on an AHL deal, great find there to begin with, 
you have seen him kind of grow into an NHL asset, and now he's a player that's usable in your lineup. But I mean, that must be a huge win for for them internally. That's how that's how any NHL team gets ahead, right? Like you totally. can't just rely on your picks. Uh, you get X number of picks. Uh, obviously, you can add or or subtract from that number, but you know, you know, generally you get your seven picks and per year, and that's more or less where you land and. You, you know, we've talked about some of the best NHL operations across the league. They find other ways to get their players. They don't totally. just rely on one method, right? And, and like you said, here's a player undrafted, comes in an HL deal, earns himself an NHL two-way deal. Um, and here he is now in the NHL in the second pro season. And it goes to show, you know, like we, we're speaking with Dustin Wolf on this episode. Seventh round pick. Uh, yeah. He was only five players taken after him. He's knocking on the, the door of the NHL. And now you have Chichek, um, who's in the NHL right now as a, as a defenseman. And that's obviously a, a more challenging um, growth uh, path for a lot of young players to come up there as a blue liner. Um, right. It's, it's not like being a forward. And um, so it goes to show you that, you know, you, we hear so often, right? Like, you know, so and so went to the draft and he wasn't picked and he was in the stands and right. da, 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 da. And it's sad, but it, it, it goes to show you that you know what your career is not over at 18 or 19, right? If if you if you really buy in, put in the work, you take the opportunity you are given, no matter how small it might be, there is a valid pathway uh, to the NHL. And uh Chief Check has shown that already and certainly Dustin Wolf. And I mean, you can go right up and down the list uh, across the American hockey league players that fit that definition. Well, it, it's funny. Cause you're as a scouting staff, you're evaluating the best 18, nine child, whatever, you know, the ages are for that draft year of that year. If you do the draft two years later, mm-hmm. you'd probably have a, you'd have a way different order. Right. So, and it's funny. A guy we talked about in episode one, Felix Robert, he's someone that turned HL deal into an NHL contract. I'm sure he'll play an NHL game very soon. You're right. It's a huge market inefficiency. If you can get guys on those AHL contracts, overagers, you know, the small guys, the late bloomers, the guys that typically fit a, you know, a Matthew Phillips profile, right? Mm-hmm. Undersized score or whatnot. You take a flyer on them, one out of ten, one out of ten work, absolutely. But it's a ten percent shot. It, granted, that's correct, right? So it's absolutely something that's you know more utilized in the game today and should be celebrated when someone like Dick Tchek makes that jump. Now, I will say, and this is interesting, when I saw Chichek was recalled, my first instinct, and this is not a slight on Nick, was I was wondering was, oh, is Markley hurt? Oh, Ryan Merkley, that is. Is Derek Pouliot hurt? Um, but Merkley, in particular, is a guy where, you know, I would have thought he would have been the first guy up, right? Um, Nick Chichek, scoreless in 10 games in the HL, got elevated, a safe, reliable, sturdy player. You know what you're getting with him. Merkley, Brian Merkley is more of an enigma, right? So, Pat, I, we talked mm-hmm. about this before we got rolling. I want to know your vantage point. Like, wh- where are we going with with Ryan Merkley? Is he going to be an NHL player sooner rather than later? Is the, the road a lot more um, winding than we maybe initially thought? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Like, we, you know, whether you're talking about hockey or you're talking about life, we think of progression as a straight line when it's more like a squiggly line. And right. it's very, very winding, very unpredictable. Um, there's a million and one variables that can come into play with young players. Um, Merkley, I mean, obviously he's, 
he's had his ups and downs as a young prospect, uh, you know, going back to junior, but we forget that, you know, he's only 22 years old. He played 39 games last year in the NHL. Um, there's a lot to work with there. Right. And uh, yep. there's a, there's no one pathway to the NHL. Uh, For sure. You're Nick Chichak or you're Dustin Wolf or you're a first rounder like Merkley. Um, everyone has their own timeline, their own path. And I think that's where teams get into trouble sometimes is they, they have these very rigid definitions. Well, you're a first round pick. You need to be in the NHL by X amount of time. And, or you're a seventh round pick and we're not going to invest much effort in you because eh, you're only a seventh round pick. I think the smart operations across the league, they view every player individually and really tailor their focus in that sense um, to what that player needs. And they don't kind of either rush or unnecessarily slow him. And uh, so, you know, cheat check, right? Like conventional wisdom would say, well, you know, he was undrafted and um, we have to give him more time. But if you believe he's ready, then he's ready. And um, so I think that's, that's the, that's the school of thought you have to look at with, with where you're talking about Merkley or an undrafted player like Chichek that uh, it's going to take time. And I think that the Sharps, you know, it's, there's a new management regime in there now. So, right. So to some extent, what happened last year or what happened in the 2018 draft does not matter that much. It matters what's going on right now in the moment. Um, if Merkley is ready, he'll get his opportunity until then um, you, you just, put in the work like a Dustin Wolf is doing or like anybody else has to do down at this level. And everybody in this league has something they can improve upon, something they can work on. And, um, you know, players that really buy into that philosophy, um, they're the ones that ultimately come out ahead and they're the ones that stick in the NHL long-term. It's interesting too, because you mentioned the change in management. For all we know, if Mike Greer was at the helm last year, Merkley wouldn't have been on that elevator, right? Where like last year he split, Half the year in the A, half the NHL. From my vantage point, did fine in the NHL. Um, you would think. I guess San Jose thinks he's has work to do and is a bit, you know, raw. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I wonder. Further to that point, though, I wonder if the expectation was for Merkley to to make the team. Like I feel like there was a spot there for him to take um, at training camp. But you know, back to your school of thought and your thinking, Timothy Lilligren's guy, where last year was his first kind of full year and for a while you thought oh my god when's he gonna be ready but Lilligren, different than Merkley but Lilligren was there since 18 right mm-hmm. so he was developing and there's a lot more runway if you will Merkley you gotta remember yeah is this his third year pro sure but I wouldn't count the 2020 21 COVID year as a year let's let's call yeah. it a half let's call it a half a year because that's what it was maybe even 0.25 but the point is I think that there's definitely Jury still on Ryan Merkley. Um, I'll be interested to see if he's recalled. But I, I will say, given the fact that a Nick Chichak is getting that call over Merkley, is it a pointed message? No, I don't think so. But there is an underlying message there that, you know, the you got to be safe and consistent in a lot of areas. And that's something Merkley has struggled with um, as an offensive defenseman. Let's move on to our prospect of the week for this week. And that's Hendricks Lapierre of the Hershey Bears, the Washington Caps organization, 22nd overall pick of the 2020 draft. He's got 10 points in 12 games this year. Six of those points have come in the last four games. He is on fire, to say the least. 20-year-old center, he scored seven of his points at five-on-five and then primary markers. That's the second amongst under-23 forwards. According to Instat, he's currently rocking at 56% expected goals for percentage. 
Uh, Lapierre, as if I recall, uh, was kind of, you know, up and down in terms of draft rankings due to some concussions and whatnot. Uh, but for him, he's been able to really have a strong start in the pros. Pat, I know you're located close to the Hershey area, if not in it. Um, and I'm sure you've seen a bit of him. What have you made of, of his start to the year? I see a player that's that's really starting to figure it out. Like yeah, that first, you know, five to six games, you could see obviously the potential there. Now you're starting to see all of it come together. He's, he's, he's figuring out the league. He's figuring out what he can do, what he can't do in this league. Um, the schedule starts to pick up the pace too. So I think you get a little bit more of that uh, momentum uh, for a player. Uh, that confidence starts to, to carry over from one game to the next. Um, Hershey, Hershey's rolling right now too. Yep. Uh, they swept the three game home weekend, uh, two back-to-back games against a really, really good Bridgeport team. Um, and LaPierre is, you know, he's an interesting case study in that um, last year he started with the Washington Capitals um, early in the season. And then he, he was one of those players that found himself in that, that, that no man's land between um, maybe not ready for the NHL, but uh, he had to go back to junior. So he went back there, obviously was a dominant player. Um, it would have been for his development ideal for him to go to Hershey last season. That was not in the cards. Uh, but he's certainly making up for that this year. And 22nd overall pick looking every bit um, like that pick. Um, and, uh, you know, a real bright spot for Washington because, you know, just given over the, the last number of years as they've pushed for for Stanley Cups, their, their prospect pool started, started to dwindle, which is to be expected. Um, so to get a what looks like a real win there uh, with, with LaPierre, um, that, that, that's a big boost for that, for that team because, um, there isn't a whole ton of, uh, youth, uh, in that pipeline for Washington. So, um, they, they really kind of needed this win here. LaPierre is a victim of the stupidest rule. And that is like, I, I don't, I understand that the NHL CHL agreement is there because otherwise there will be repercussions to the CHL teams and the smaller markets. Like I get that, but there has to be some sort of middle ground here. You've mm-hmm. got to find a way where, whether it's where you're selected or some sort, there has to be some sort of middle ground where you can get guys in the AHL that are too good for junior. And I mean, like, actually too good or save the NHL for a certain amount of games. Like, what if you had it where if they play 20 games, you can send them back to the AHL? They're not gonna, no team's going to spoon feed someone an extra 10 games in the NHL. It's all about winning. They're not going to just do it to move around the, around the rule. Look at Shane Wright right now. How much would Shane Wright benefit from being in the AHL? And I just think that, I mean, we're due for another lockout soon. So I, I don't even know if this will come up in the in the collective bargaining discussions. But I think it's the stupidest thing. And it makes no sense for a guy like Lapierre. I mean, it's turned out fine for him. He went back to junior last year, 51 points in 40 games. I mean, I'm sure it was fine. But could you imagine how much teams as a whole would benefit if they had that option? didn't have to be in this whole, do we play in the ninth game or the 10th game, whatever it is, or... Do we hold him off or do we send him to a conditioning stint in the AHL and then bring him back up to like, just stupid. I think, I mean, that's my opinion. I, yep. I just, you got to find some middle ground there. Two points on that. Uh, you know, we just saw Brant Clark uh, sent down by LA to Ontario on a conditioning stint for that very reason. Get him ice time, um, have him play, play heavy minutes. He, he came right down this past weekend. Looked good. Um, mm. You know, so that, that, that's, that's where teams, can get a little bit creative there and um 
the point I always come back to, you know, we always hear about, well, owners and junior, that will be tough on the, on the market. And there, there's no question it would be, but you know, I always say that, you know, what about the HL owners, right? Like, um, you know, when you're in the playoffs and the NHL team comes calling and they need, okay, we need your number one goalie. We need your top center and your top D right. because we need extra bodies for, for practice. Right. And that's just expected that the AHL team deals with it. Right. And, you know, so it's like, kind of like the AHL I've always said is a little bit that, that middle child, um, syndrome in the sense that it's kind of overlooked and it gets kind of forgotten, but it plays such a vital role in player development. And I think you're right. I mean, if, if these young 18, 19 year old kids could go in there and, and, and get that real NHL caliber uh, development early on, uh, I think it would really accelerate a lot of, a lot of players path to the NHL. How many AHL teams right now are, are not owned by the NHL club? It's roughly, I believe it's around uh, 20, 21 now NHL owns in some fashion. So right. roughly about one third are, are still independently owned in, in one way or another. Gotcha. That makes sense. All right. So let's move on to our team of the week. And that is the Ottawa Senators prospects that are with the Belleville Senators. Um, you know, obviously Ottawa's young talent. A lot of it's been kind of infused in their roster with the big club right now. But there's still a lot of pieces. Uh, Troy Mann, their head coach, just got his 300th win. He's built a really great program there. And let's kind of go through, Pat, rapid fire, some of the interesting names and some of the players that could run out the edges of the center's roster. First guy I want to get to is Ridley uh, Gregg. I always hear this guy mentioned in trade talks as a guy where people throw him in uh, and to a sense deal. And it pretty quickly is vetoed saying this guy is way too good for that. And I think with good reason. Uh I, I don't see him being as someone that's going to be in the HL for too long, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, he, well, he's a he's a son of a former kind of AHL NHL tweener, Mark Gray, who's uh, works with the Flyers uh, and their scouting department. So you can kind of see he's from the very early age. He had that uh, that high level kind of guidance, right? And he was one of those players. He came in during the pandemic season as an eighteen year old in Belleville, right? Played seven games there, got a little bit of a taste of that that pro game. He had to go back eventually when when the Western League uh, started up, but uh, I think that was really valuable for him just to get a sense of all right, right. This is what this is where I need to get to, right? So, and then again, he was another player last year. He had to go back to to junior and uh, clearly was I think beyond that level. Uh, but finally, now the, the, the Ottawa Senators have their hands on him in Belleville and um, it, some injuries in training camp, but uh, he's he's back in the flow of things and. Um, Absolutely. I agree. There's a future NHL player there hundred percent. And, um, you know, he needs to get bigger, stronger, but that's, that's the case with so many players in this league. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's a reason that, um, NHL teams and invest heavily, you know, in, in workout facilities for, for their young prospects, because that's, you know, almost to a man, um, is, is one of the biggest factors keeping otherwise, talented players uh, from reaching the NHL right away. So uh, he's a real bright spot in that Ottawa system, no question. How about Sokolov? He's someone that's been there for the last little bit. I think there's a lot to like about his game. Um, he's got the frame and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I'll be honest, he's a guy where I wonder, like, can he take that next step, Igor Sokolov? I, that's the real question to me, what I would think with him. Yeah, real good real good head on his shoulders right off the bat, which is, I mean, that's, that's such a – Huge advantage for, for young players um, being willing to really invest uh, 
and commit to that development. Uh, a lot of players, they want to be in the NHL yesterday and uh, it's just not, it's not feasible. Right. And right. so, you know, a player that can really get their head around that, that requirement and, and why they need to be there and, and not just go through motions, but really embrace it. I've it's such a, such a light up on the competition. He's one of those players. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, Another player that, that um, came in during that pandemic season and really kind of caught everyone's eye, even as a second round pick where you had some expectations, but I think you surpassed them. Um, that, 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 I mean, it's funny. We've, we've mentioned this before. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where that season, that pandemic season, right. what the impact of that is down the road, um, you know, for players either good or bad. Uh, but uh, I like what I've seen from him so far, uh, but this is that, third-ish season. I know we depending on how you characterize that that pandemic season as a half season or, or what have you, but I want to take see him take that next step to go from a solid player to a dominant player. And I think those are the players where uh, it, it's really telling in that third-ish season um, to see how much they can make that step. So that's I kind of think for him, that's the objective this season. Wouldn't you, couldn't one argue that for him he has to sort of enhance his game and maybe accelerate it in the sense of not necessarily dominating offensively, but like he's got to be able to kill penalties or something. To get the, I don't I don't think he's a good enough talent to be a top six player personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think you're absolutely right. Um, when you're when you're in the NHL, there's no time to learn on the fly, right? You have to come in. Right. And, um, be able to be inserted in the lineup and be good to go right right from the get go and um, so yeah learning that 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 if if not finding a niche in terms of you know, PK or what have you at least be a, a real good solid two way player uh, that's what's going to keep you in the NHL I think scoring and all that that's what gets you to this level but it's that that final step it's it's learning that other side of the game that's going to make you take that final step. And I think that's what a lot of young players struggle with, um, you know, kind of transitioning away from what got them uh, this far, but the ones again, that, that can buy into that message. Um, they're, they're just so much further ahead. And I think that will be what you want to see from them. Like be a dominant two way player, someone that they can trust all three zones, any time of the game, any situation that will be his, his path to the NHL. How about Lassie Thompson? He's in an interesting spot, sort of like uh, Hainola, who we've talked about, mm-hmm. Jack Rathbone, where he he's had, like, Lassie had a good stint in Ottawa when yeah. he had 16 games last year. He, he was good. I think the problem with him is, is he going to be in your top four now? No. Or is he better served? Bottom pairing or in the AHL? And I think rightfully so, Ottawa said, no, he should be in the AHL for the time being. Play 20, 25 minutes a night, uh, dominate in the AHL rather than playing, you know, bottom bottom pairing minutes. Maybe you're in the lineup one night, out of it the next night. Um, I think it's a real smart approach. Um, like with so many young defensemen, um, strength is, is, is the key for him, I think. It's not that, you know, I think people hear strength, they think, you know, put a player through the boards, but no, it's, it's winning those battles, those puck battles. I mean, I've heard oh, more players sure. this year. You know, it's really, it's been interesting hearing players more often, you know, standard question, you know, what did you work on this summer? Usually in the past few years, it was skating this summer. I'm hearing more and more talk board battles, wall work, all, you know, anything along those, 
pipelines, net front play. So I think there's a, a defenseman or just everyone. I'm curious, defenseman mainly or just in general? Both uh, forwards and defensemen, but certainly uh, you know just a recognition that uh, you know it's not just about skating, right? Like you know skating has gotten such a and obviously it matters significantly, but it's it's, it's really taken such a prominence in the last decade or so. But yeah, it, it, it's it's that ability to to win the puck, right, and to to play in those tough areas down low. And um, so I think, you know, for, for whether you're talking about Thompson or any young defenseman, it's get stronger, learn how to use the assets that you do have, the size that you do have, um, because that's what's going to unlock kind of the other parts of your game. And uh, so that's a challenge, uh, you know, for just about any young defenseman in this league. Um, you know, if you, if you are a little bit undersized, you know, like I talked to Nick Bodan the other day, uh, similar right. situation, right? Like, Skates like the wind, uh, skill skill to burn, but uh, you know has to get stronger. And uh, so I think players are are buying into that message a little bit more. That's hey, it's not just you know I need to you know skate like the wind. It's also I need to play that little bit more of a gritty um, playoff type game. That uh, that will be what you know buys players a lot of uh, like you said runway uh, to the NHL. Absolutely. Um, the last one here is Robbie Jarvinty. Uh Sort of a similar situation to the other guys we mentioned where, again, there's a lot of young talent. There's a, there, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of bodies in any organization, and there's so few spots. And he's only 20 years old. A lot of these guys we mentioned are 20 to 22 range. These, these are not 23, 24 range guys. These are entry-level prospects that are all sort of coming at the same time. Jarvis yeah, was somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Pat. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Arventi, uh, you know, he ran a little bit of an injury issue early in this season. Um, you know, Belleville has been absolutely crushed by injuries. Uh, yeah. So far in the first month or so. Um, he's a young player. He got uh, got a little bit of a taste of the HL last season, played, you know, a pretty solid rookie season, 70 games. But um, another, you know, kind of I swear I've lost track of how many seemingly second round, first round picks they have in Belleville. I know. Um, a real deep pool, uh, but he's young. He's 20, has to get stronger. Um, certainly the potential's there. I mean, he's, he's had good experience, uh, you know, back-to-back trips to the World Junior Championship. Um, you know, it was real dominant there this summer for anybody that, that saw the tournament, you know, for, for Finland. Um, this year, again, this is, this is about getting stronger. This is about that two-way game, if you can do that. And I think certainly playing for a coach like Trey Mann, He'll have every opportunity uh, to do that, but um, yeah, he's uh, he's on the on the right path. But uh, there's still a little bit of uh, ways to go for him. And the reality too for these guys is they may be raw, they may have all these things to do, but the roster that it is right now and the way the depth chart lines up won't be that the way it's going to be the next three years, right? And people leapfrog people a lot more than you ever could envision, right? We would have never thought that, like for example, Manitoba, Winnipeg. I think two years ago, no one ever thought that Mikey Isimont would be possibly on the brink of becoming an NHL regular or let alone getting a call-up. So things change, and Ottawa's got a lot of good lottery tickets to play with there. But for today's, or you know, this week's episode, we're going to wrap it up right there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you liked our, our chat with Dustin Wolf. He was a very interesting character. He was very gracious with his time, so we appreciate that, and we'll be sure to catch you guys next week.